Welcome to the Happy, Healthy, Strong podcast. Our goal is to educate and empower listeners on their journey to a happier, healthier, and stronger life with a focus on holistic and natural healing. This podcast is meant for educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Thank you for joining us. Now let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Happy, Healthy, Strong podcast. Today we are continuing and ending our mini-series on inflammation. So let's just kick off this episode with Dr. Alex. Um, Can you tell us what you're talking about today? Yeah, so to end this little series on inflammation, and I'm sure, I mean, inflammation is so important with people's health and the health conditions that we see um, happening right now. So I'm sure we'll get back to it. But this series on inflammation, we're going to end it with inflammation and autoimmunity. Just talking about how it's related to autoimmunity, really what autoimmunity is, and then kind of what do you, what can you do about it? Okay, so can you start with telling us just the basics of autoimmunity and explain what it actually is for us? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Autoimmunity is is a really new thing when it comes to um, modern medicine. Um, It's really only been in like the last, you know. 20, 40 years maybe that they've really started to study it and understand it. So I said that to say that they, we don't really understand it, what exactly it is. What we believe it is and what we know about it is that the immune system, parts of the immune system actually attack our own tissue. Why that happens is what we're kind of still trying to figure out. Um, some theories are something called molecular mimicry, meaning the, the molecular structure of things that are our foreign that our immune system should attack. It's just like a protein structure or proteins are made from amino acids. So if there's like a sequence of amino acids, so like three amino acids in a row, if that's the same as it looks on our tissue, then our immune system will attack our tissue because it thinks it's attacking something that's foreign. So that's the basics of of what happened. That's at least that molecular mimicry um, theory of of why autoimmunity happens. Okay, so when you hear that someone has an autoimmune disease, because I feel like it's pretty common and Mm -hmm. you hear that a lot, it means that they have something in their body like, attacking itself kind of yeah the immune system is attacking itself so similar to again we're in this pandemic um, of the coronavirus and there's a lot of talk about the vaccine right now and the reason that the vaccine is that people want the vaccine is because when you get the vaccine the your body responds in making antibodies antibodies are the immune system's response to finding something that's foreign remembering that, that it's foreign so that it can invite other parts of your immune system in to kill it so the whole purpose of antibodies um, in context of something like the coronavirus is if you have the antibodies, then you're going to better be able to fight it off. Well, the same thing happens with our tissue. We create antibodies to our tissue, so then therefore they're always there, kind of always attacking our, our tissue, just like it would if it's seen the coronavirus, it would attack it immediately. Well, when it's a seizure, thyroid tissue or tissue in your pancreas or tissue in your joints, all those things, it just continually attacks it. And that's what yeah. autoimmunity flare-ups are. So obviously you want your immune system to attack the viruses, but you don't want it to attack like yeah. your bodily yep. functions. Yep. Right. Okay. Right. We want it to we want it to be tolerant to our <coughs> excuse me, tolerant to our tissue, tolerant to foods, um, and we don't we don't want it to be tolerant to pathogens that are trying to kill us. Right. right? We want to kill them first. Makes sense. Yeah. So what are some of the symptoms that someone would be experiencing, the common things that you see in people with autoimmune diseases? Yeah, yeah. So some of the common autoimmunities, um, 
people are probably familiar with, maybe they aren't familiar that they're, they're autoimmune conditions, um, but like type two or type one diabetes. Um, so type two, I, I said there is, is a insulin resistant type type diabetes that we talked about in the past, but type one typically is an autoimmunity. So the immune system cells are attacking a certain type of cell in the pancreas. So therefore <clears throat> that person cannot create insulin. So they need to be yeah. given insulin from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, rheumatoid arthritis is a, is an autoimmune issue. So of course that person's going to have pain, um, in their joint. Um, some other forms of arthritis like psoriatic arthritis or psoriasis, a skin condition can be autoimmunity. Um, multiple sclerosis. So that's an autoimmunity to, um, the myelin sheath, the kind of like, if you think of a, an electrical wire, the black part of the electrical wire that protects the actual wires, that's what the sheath is around our spinal cord and our nerve cells with multiple sclerosis, the immune system attacks that part. So then it damages the myelin. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, um, can be a devastating, um, disease. Um, some other ones, inflammatory bowel diseases like Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis. Those are autoimmune issue. Celiac disease is an autoimmune issue. So it just kind of depends on where the, the damage is at, right? One of the more common ones I see is something called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So that's a thyroid autoimmunity. So the immune system's attacking the thyroid and damaging it, you know, so that's the, the whole Hashimoto's. Hashimoto's is because that was the guy that found it. His name was Hashimoto's. Um, another thyroid issue is called Graves disease. So typically Hashimoto's damages the thyroid and, and um, interferes with its function. So you're hypothyroid, so you don't have enough thyroid function. Graves disease is the opposite. You have hyperthyroid function. So yeah, those, those are a lot, there's a lot more, but those so are the how common many, ones. How many of these things come up because of lifestyle decisions versus you're just born with it and this, these are the cards you've been dealt kind of thing? Yeah. So there's um, definitely always going to be a genetic factor. So um, I can't remember when I mentioned it, but there's testing that you can get done to just see what these genetics, what they call SNPs are, so m- genetic mutations that you have. Um, if you have these alleles, which are the, the, the mutations in your genes, then you're just more susceptible to whatever the, the autoimmune issue is. And that doesn't go up for just autoimmunity. That's really any sort of health condition. But it's not like you're guaranteed that you have this autoimmunity or you have whatever c- the condition is. If you have this allele, you're just more at risk for it. Um, it's always majority of its lifestyle, something that's happening. And when I say lifestyle, think what environment are you putting your body in so that your body has to respond to that environment. If you're always doing things that are going to lead to the body responding, um, the immune system turning on, basically finding something that might be foreign and attacking it, then of course you're, you're going to be more prone to having something like an, an autoimmune issue. So, but that, that's a kind of a good transition into the in inflammation part. Um, the, how inflammation relates to autoimmunity is they are co-activators of each other. Meaning if you have a lot of inflammation, chronic inflammation in your body, you have a higher potential to activate autoimmunity in your body. And then once you have autoimmunity in your body, you're going to co-activate inflammation, turn on inflammation, and then it gets back into that. A cycle vicious cycle that we've mentioned so many so many times so where the lifestyle stuff comes in and we've talked about this in the past lifestyle issues so if you're eating you know foods with a bunch of chemicals in it colorings additives if you are are one of those people who have genetic um, predisposition to something like a gluten or casein protein that's in dairy um, whatever it may be you kind of turn on inflammation that whole inflammatory process that we talked about 
And as the body's trying to deal with that inflammatory process, once it gets into that last level of the lymph tissue, it's being processed through that. And that's really where the immune system cells are that might trigger the um, autoimmunity happening. The last time we got super scientific talking about these T helper cells, and one of them was called TH17. The more TH17 that you have, the more prone you're going to be to autoimmunity. That's kind of the, the immune system cell that turns on autoimmunity. So if you're doing things in your lifestyle that are creating inflammation, once that inflammation gets to the lymph tissue, if those TH17 cells are the ones that are activated the most, then you're going to, it's high likelihood that you're going to have autoimmunity. So eating something you shouldn't eat can equal autoimmunity because it turns on inflammation. Inflammation turns on um, autoimmunity. So that's a, it's kind of downstream, but it can be traced all the way back to what just are you doing with your, with your diet or lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, the vicious cycle of living the lifestyle with the, like you're not conscious of the things that you're eating. You're not conscious of your environment. Mm -hmm. Not only causes all the things with inflammation that we've been talking about, like the gut and the stress and that kind of thing, but also the autoimmune response. So if someone's dealing with the autoimmune, is it likely that they also might have like the gut issues that you talked about last? Yeah. Week? So here's a, that was, that's a actually an important point. So one of the things, and you asked me this question last time and I said it was kind of too complicated and it probably still is, <laughs> but the TH17, one of the things that activates TH17 is TH17's job is to deal with what's called extracellular bacteria. So bacteria that's not inside of our cells, but it's in the tissue around our cells. And that happens in hollow spaces. So that's, think your gut is a hollow space, your sinuses are hollow spaces, your respiratory, um, so like your lung fields, those are hollow spaces, urinary tracts, hollow space. So that's urinary tract infections, that's upper respiratory tract infections, that's um, sinus infections and gut infections. So if there's bacteria, and that could be um, good bacteria that's overgrown, that could be bad bacteria like pathogen, virus, or those things. If you have a high amount of those, in any of those hollow spaces, then TH17 is going to be turned on because that's what the body uses to kill those things and try to get rid of them. So if you always have that stuff going on, you're always going to have TH17 on, and the higher levels of TH17 is going to equal autoimmunity. So if you just basically have a bad microbiome, you have an overgrowth of bad bacteria, you're just, it's like you're hanging over a cliff, right? It's when are you going to fall off that cliff and get into to autoimmunity? If you always have sinus infections, Yes, the sinus infections suck, right? You're miserable there, but you're also kind of on your way to autoimmunity. You got UTIs, upper respiratory infections, those things. You're on your way to potentially autoimmunity because of that TH17 always being on. Okay, so those are some of the things that someone, if it would be like a red flag if they do keep getting these things. Is there anything else that someone, like they might be experiencing these things and they should start to think about? maybe autoimmune being one of the as far as symptoms or yeah. just like yeah um well just anything inflammatory right so if you if you if your joints always hurt mm-hmm. right um that's a sign of inflammation in your joints if you have um anxiety depression migraines all that stuff that's related um to brain inflammation that inflammatory process can lead to the um coactivation with autoimmunity if you're under high levels of stress, especially if you've been diagnosed with HPA axis dysfunction or, or what they call adrenal fatigue, then anything that is activating the inflammatory response, you're going to have more chance of, of ending up with, with autoimmunity. Mm, yeah. Okay. 
So yeah, we are. We're we're uh, kind of depressing type. Then we always change it to the positive. Like, so tell us the good news. How can yeah. someone overcome and yep. reverse so some of this stuff? So I want to kind of try to use my story a little bit to, to talk about this because I have, um, I would still be considered diagnosed with ulcerative colitis because once you have an autoimmunity, again, how they diagnose autoimmunity is, well, you have to have a number of different things to like get specific with. This is the, the actual autoimmune condition. So mine was ulcerative colitis. But antibodies towards that is one of the ways that you would figure out, okay, that's autoimmunity here. So you can have antibodies in, in your body circulating through your bloodstream, but they, they don't have to damage tissue, right? It's just like if you have antibodies to the coronavirus, you're going to have those circulating your, your tissue. But if you're not exposed to the coronavirus, then they're not going to do anything. They're not going to, they don't have anything to attack, right? So you can keep the symptoms low if you just don't do things to stimulate higher levels of, of antibody um, activity. So if you are, have the, these antibodies, but you're not doing anything to stimulate the a antibody activity, then you're going to be able to have this condition, but not actually be symptomatic with the, with the condition. And that's really where I've been at for a long time, you know, okay. over 10 yeah. years now. Mm -hmm. It's not until I do things that stimulate the antibody activity where they'll start damaging my tissue and then that will set me off into what they call an autoimmune autoimmune flare. Mm -hmm. That's all back to what are you doing with your with your lifestyle, right? So if you're eating things you shouldn't be eating, if you're stressed out, if you're not exercising, if you're having some, some sort of toxin in your body coming at you, that's going to trigger antibody activity. But then at the same time, because you've kind of triggered the, the autoimmune um, process, that has that coactivation with inflammation. So you're not only going to stimulate antibody activity, you're also going to stimulate inflammatory process happening. And then uh, you get into this vicious cycle. So that's why it can be very difficult once you get into an autoimmune flare to get out of that autoimmune flare because not only do you have the autoimmunity, but you've also stimulated inflammation. Mm -hmm. And then kind of back to your question, once you've done that, then now you're going to stimulate stress chemistry, which then sets off that stress response, which then also creates inflammation. Right, then you might stimulate brain inflammation, and then that whole thing can come back and cre create inflammation. So, you get into this kind of vicious cycle of autoimmunity and inflammation, and then that triggers kind of secondary, tertiary cycles of those other things that we just talked about. So, so what's your best advice for someone who is stuck in the cycle? Like, how how can yeah. you get out of that? Pray. That's, <laughs> that's what you got to do. Yeah. No, so you got to take it one step at a time, right? So I just mentioned a whole complex um, issue that's going on, multiple things going on. Right. The key is what what creates inflammation, right? So if you just think, okay, there's there's autoimmune activity, there's brain inflammation, there's stress chemistry, and, and there's a ton of other stuff going on, but the main thing is inflammation, right? So if you just do things to lower the levels of inflammation in your body, most of them are just avoiding things. And then there's things that we've talked about like curcumin and resveratrol and glutathione and, and all of those things that can also just support your body to, to bring down inflammation. If you can lower inflammation, then that helps with all of those, those other things, right? But the big one, which is with our topic today, so I don't think we've got too scientific today, but we're going to get there Keep a little going. bit. So the inflammatory, the main kind of chemical that's part of this inflammatory process is called NF-kappa beta. So that's the thing that's 
Again, it's not evil, but when you're inflamed, that's like the main thing that you got to deal with, this NF-kappa beta. And that's the stuff that um, curcumin and resveratrol and those things actually deal with. It lowers levels of NF-kappa beta. NF-kappa beta, how this is relationship between inflammation and autoimmunity is it triggers another chemical called STAT3. STAT3 is the autoimmune chemical. So those are the two things that you got to focus on and, and try to deal with. The good news is, is there's, just like I mentioned, there's nutrients, there's things that you can take to lower NF-kappa beta, which is then going to lower the STAT3. But then there's also things that you can lower STAT3, which when you're doing that, you're lowering the NF-kappa beta, right? So there's direct ways of lowering and dealing with this thing. And then there's indirect ways of, of lowering and, and dealing with it. But it's always time to, right? Healing, healing takes time. Um, and because it's, it's so lifestyle driven, right? If you can just consistently get back to the lifestyle, like I have a person right now that's in an autoimmune flare and the, these the autoimmune flares are terrible, right? Cause I mean, your tissues, it's, it's destroying it's your own, your, your immune system is destroying your own tissue. So, yeah. and it's, you can be very symptomatic. Yeah. Um, so sometimes when, when that's the case, you have to go to medication, right? So you have to go to something like a prednisone, some sort of, you know, super strong, um, steroid to just bring down inflammation. But if you can just get back to living the lifestyle and just getting more strict in your lifestyle, then that's what your body's going to respond to that, right? So you, for whatever reason, whether it was something you couldn't control, like a stress that came at you, or if you just got off your diet or, right, you weren't sleeping well, whatever it may be, you're exposed to some chemical, you put yourself in a bad environment and your body responded. And that, that response was tissue damage. That response was inflammation. That response was autoimmunity. If you can put yourself in a different environment, then the body's going to respond, right? The body's intelligent, always wants to be healthy. So what's it going to do? It's going to stop producing those chemicals that create the tissue damage. It's going to bring those chemicals down and now produce anti-inflammatory chemicals, anti-autoimmune chemicals, and you're going to get back to, you know, where you want to be with being asymptomatic is where you want to fight for. So you're working with a person right now who's in a flare-up. So the kind of things that you're recommending to that person are, are they pretty much just lifestyle? Yeah. So good news is they eat a really good diet. Mm -hmm. They have a, a, a very good lifestyle, but then it's just like, okay, what are the little things that, that you're doing maybe that you shouldn't be doing? Right. So like if this person eats, so this particular person eats like a paleo, paleo type diet. So they avoid grains, they avoid dairy, they avoid legumes, you know, they don't eat sugar processed food. So they're already doing that stuff. Right. But they might have like too much dark chocolate or something. So even there's just a little amount of sugar in it, they might be eating something like that that's inflammatory. Or maybe they have some sort of um, into food intolerance that they, ha they don't know about. Because unfortunately, that's what can happen. If you're eating like a paleo diet, one of the downfalls of paleo diet is you typically eat the same stuff all, all the time. And the more you eat the same stuff, the more immune system's always testing it and can then develop some sort of an intolerance to it. So if they're eating like that a lot, then they might, um, now I have to avoid eggs right now. Or now I have to avoid nightshades or, you know, whatever it may be. Just getting back to the things that we know are pretty common um, to be irritants to people. Yeah. Um, then they're just making sure they're sleeping right. They're not staying up later than, they, than they're supposed to. They're not watching TV at night. So they're just really getting pretty strict with their, with their lifestyle mm -hmm. until they get out of this flare, you know, and then they, can, then they can let up a little bit. But then there's also, you know, supplements and stuff that we're doing to try to break down the, the inflammation a lot. So right, yeah. right. And then you, when you had your you know, main, when you were dealing with all your symptoms of your condition, 
you just dis- I know we talked about your story in first episode, but maybe you could yeah. Recap so some of the so that you did. W- what was interesting about that is I didn't know I probably knew ten percent back then of what I know now yeah. about autoimmunity. Um, all I did was went the inflammatory route. So I ate a really strict diet. I um, started focusing on like stress management stuff. I started to get adjusted and take care of my spine and nervous system really for the first time in my life. Um, so that was huge. Uh, I avoided all toxins, you know, that I that I knew about um, and could get rid of. And I actually wasn't too good of an exerciser back then, so I can't claim wow. that. <laughs> um, so the so back then I was part of a group that we what they were called the five essentials, um, the things that you had to do to have a healthy lifestyle, and that was diet, exercise, stress management, uh, avoiding toxins, and then your nervous having a healthy nervous system. So I just like went at those five. I didn't really do anything specific. You know, I did some things like um, leaky gut wasn't a very popular term back then, but the doctor I was working with knew about it. So he was recommending some things to try to heal up my gut, that type of stuff. But it wasn't super specific. It was just, hey, let's generally live a healthy lifestyle. And when you compare that to the lifestyle I was living before, it was super Mm anti-inflammatory. So I didn't even do all of these specific things, right? I didn't know about NF-kappa beta. I didn't know about STAT3, any of that type of stuff. I was just, hey, let's look at everything in my lifestyle that isn't right. And if it isn't right, it's inflammatory. And let's just avoid it. And my body will de-inflame. And, you know, it took a long time, but I was just going to ask, like, how long do you think that process took? Yeah, it was probably a two-year process. I mean, I was... I was very symptomatic even when I was on medication. But once I started to change my lifestyle, like probably within a couple months, I started to become very few symptoms. But it would flare-ups would be more frequent. So if I would get off that lifestyle right away, I would be flared up. Get off that lifestyle right away, be flared up, right? Wow. But but over the course of about 18 months, um, I started to get less and less symptoms to where I had a really long period of no flare-ups. And then I could even do stuff that, you know, I could eat pizza occasionally. I could go out for ice cream, that type of stuff. I could be completely overwhelmed and stressed out and not have a flare-up. Um, and I, the only reason I mention that is because if I ever do have flare-ups now, that's typically what flares me up. Um, so I, once I was doing all that stuff for an extended period of time, and that was, again, about 18 months, two years, I, it, you could almost say I didn't have I used to say, before I knew more about autoimmune disease, when I would even give my talks to tell my story, I was like, I'm completely healed from this. I don't have this thing anymore. But mm-hmm. now that I know more about autoimmunity, then it's, you're going to have it. You just have to be it's asymptomatic. It's part of you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of what I did is just went super anti-inflammatory. And if I would do, if I knew what I do now, it probably wouldn't have taken that long back sure. then. I probably got out of the flare and been a lot better off um, now. But yeah, just went kind of anti-inflammatory. Yeah. I would say. Heal. That's some encouragement if anyone is dealing with this and like in the midst of trying to make all the lifestyle changes, but not seeing, you know, immediate results, like just stick to it. Keep following the process. Do you have any more words of encouragement? Well, words of encouragement, I don't know about words of encouragement. I guess this could be encouraging, but this is back to the functional model versus the medical model. So when you think about um, autoimmunity, there's really nothing that they do to address autoimmunity. It's just they try to address the inflammation, right? So it's it's not the inflammation necessarily that's the main problem. That's Remember, it's just a co-activator with autoimmunity. Yeah. So they're addressing like a, a, a secondary issue with autoimmunity. But then they also um, might even be addressing like a tertiary issue, meaning like specifically with something like a Hashimoto's. The reason the f- thyroid's not working is because it's being attacked, right? So 
what they do is, well, if the thyroid's not working, then you're going to have low thyroid hormone. So then they give you synthetic thyroid hormone, right, to try to make up for what your thyroid can't do. And that does nothing for your autoimmune issue, right? right? So that's the, the importance of understanding, okay, what's actually happening in the body? What's the underlying cause? What's that doing to physiology? And let's try to address that as opposed to all the way down kind of fourth level of what are the symptoms we don't, we don't, yeah, we want to relieve suffering, but we also want to try to figure out what's the, the main thing going on and address that. Right. Because in the medical example, like when can that person ever come off of those, you know, yeah. thyroid yeah. things? Yeah. Like and maybe they've had their tissue damage so long that you won't be able to come off because yeah. there's not enough thyroid hormone being produced. But if we could find it soon enough, then yes, mm -hmm. that should be the case mm -hmm. right because you shouldn't need that medication because the thyroid's no longer being damaged the thi and the thyroid's healing and producing hormones like it, like it should right that's the yeah. goal yeah yeah all right yeah well anything else to add i got nothing else okay awesome thank you everyone so much for listening we hope that this was a blessing to you be sure to share this with your friends if you know of anyone with an autoimmune disease or even just regular inflammation please share this with them um and be sure to join our facebook community and follow us on instagram thank you for listening we'll see you next time